This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. Canadian wildfires are leaving Chicago in a haze. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. The air quality index hit a high of 288 yesterday. Now, if that number doesn't mean much to you, our air quality in a major city like Chicago, well, it typically hovers between 51 and 100. So yeah, that's pretty bad. And today, the city's air quality is even worse, with risk of increased health effects for everyone. Now, to break down what this means, we're speaking to two experts who can explain what's going on with the air and how it could affect your breathing. Kelly Nichols is a senior manager of policy and advocacy at Respiratory Health Association in Chicago. Also with us is Dr. Ravi Callahan, Northwestern Medicine Deputy Division Chief of Pulmonary and Critical Care Medicine. All right, Kelly, we heard about this bad air quality affecting New York recently, but in photos, those days the sky looked orange, and here it doesn't. So does that mean the air quality isn't as bad now? It probably, you know, the numbers can differ in different places and it can look different in different places based on what else is in the air. Chicago itself um, has never met the U.S. air quality standards since they were established in 1970. Well, there's something. The ambient air that we have generally in Chicago based on heavy industry, based on the fact that it's a a port through which, you know, 30 percent of all manufactured goods pass through the city of Chicago. So we have different air quality issues that happen all the time. And when you bring that into also the particulate smoke that's coming down from the wildfires in Canada Mm -hmm. and just the general grossness that happens over summer when all that cooks in the sun and creates ozone problems, then you're kind of in a stew of a perfect storm that can cause a lot of lung health issues. What can we take away from the color of the smoke then? I mean, the color just determines what, what, I mean, I would imagine the color is indicated by whatever's burning and the ambient stuff in the air. So it probably looks different on the East Coast. It might have been a higher concentration. I do think the number were a little bit higher in uh, New York than they are in Chicago. And also our weather patterns move a little differently. Things sit a little differently. Our heat island is slightly different than Manhattan. So it's that kind of stuff. I see. And Mm -hmm. so just for further context, I mentioned a moment ago that the uh, air quality index rating yesterday here in Chicago was 288. Mm -hmm. And now the city today is remaining under, quote, very unhealthy um, in, in that category. So what does that all mean? Right. So when the EPA sets a national ambient air quality standard, they take into consideration health nerds like me, and they also take into consideration heavy industry that comes and says, no, this is too strict. And then they try to decide on a number that indicates what the solution should be to that number problem. But that number doesn't necessarily reflect on what's protective of health. Any amount of air quality is not, any amount of air pollution is not great for your lungs, right? Yeah. So the higher number you go, especially with what we're dealing with in the air today, which is particulate matter, yeah. The worse 
what you're breathing in is. And particulate matter can contain teeny tiny little particles that are smaller than the size of a human hair that can get into your lungs and your bloodstream and they can cause Mm. systemic issues, which I'm sure Dr. Calhan is going to talk more about. But basically, the higher number, the higher the concentration of it in the air, the more dangerous it is to breathe in. Yeah. And I I see here that with the latest information, though we were the worst yesterday, um, Chicago is now down to number three as far as the air quality. (laughs) Yay. Uh, Detroit now being number one for unhealthy air quality. Mm -hmm. Dr. Calhan, let's bring you in here. Uh, You know, my chest was really hurting uh, for some time yesterday, Um, a little bit today, but my eyes were burning as well uh, during my commute home uh, from work. Now, is that typical? Yeah, I think so, Sasha. I think any person, whether healthy or unhealthy, when exposed to this level of particulate matter will have some symptoms. So eyes are always exposed to ambient air. So eyes burning and watering would be a common symptom. A sore throat would be a common symptom. Mm -hmm. And as Kelly just mentioned, these particles are really, really tiny. So they, if we breathe normally, will make their way deep into our lungs where they can cause an inflammatory reaction in the windpipes on the way to the lung, in the nose as we first inhale them, and then even deeper in the lung. So even healthy people are likely to have some symptoms and response to it. It's extremely risky for people who have chronic lung disease or chronic heart disease because folks living with asthma, for example, or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, mm-hmm. can have flare-ups of their disease triggered by exposure to these um, fine particles being inhaled. Yikes. And in fact, it actually can cause an inflammatory reaction in the body, which has been pretty clearly associated in epidemiologic studies with greater risk of heart attacks and strokes and other really significant health events. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of folks still struggling with long COVID, for instance, right? This this cannot be good at all. And and going back to our conversation about eyes, Dr. Calhan, I mean, what about folks who wear contacts? One of our producers was talking earlier about her eyes stinging when she took the contacts out. Like, I mean, it, were the contacts trapping smoke particles in her eyes? Yeah, well, I have to lean on personal experience there, Sasha, because I'm just a lung doctor, but my... <laughs> My contacts also annoyed me yesterday, so (laughs) I err on the side of wearing my glasses on days like today. And then, you know, eye protection for people who are really symptomatic with their eyes would make sense wearing some form of either sunglasses wouldn't do the job, but some form of, you know, ski goggle type things, I guess, could do the job. But, you know, similarly with chest pain and throat pain and, and nose irritation, wearing an N95 or KN95 mask is actually the best way to protect oneself if they have to be outside from the adverse consequences of particles. Those high quality masks that we heard a lot about during COVID Mm -hmm. actually do protect against um, particulate matter 2.5, these fine particles. Yeah. Well, uh, let's continue to talk about protection here. Kelly, how much can a um, a portable air purifier help to, to kind of clean the air in a room? And is there a specific type of purifier that you you think would work best against this kind of smoke? I do think a HEPA HEPA filter helps the most. It removes the most particles out of the air. Um, 
I know that, uh, like, for instance, again, like uh, Dr. Callahan from personal experience, our air conditioner pulls in air from the outside. So I've turned it off and we're resorting to sort of fans in rooms. So we're not pulling mm. in more dirty air into our home. Smart. And an air, and an air purifier, excuse me, per room will definitely help reduce the amount of particulates in the room. And also if a person or like, for instance, I'm, I bought one yesterday for my kids' rooms, it'll also reduce the other allergens that might also create that inflammatory response in their airway which would exacerbate the impacts of mm. that particle pollution that's also coming in from the wildfire. So the more you're inhaling, the worse off you are. And the air purifier will definitely help with those allergens, but also with the particulate matter from the smoke. And what do you think about those uh, those DIY air cleaners that, that some folks are making? Like if they're, they're making them you, out of box fans. I mean, and- if they're what you have, because there are a lot of communities that have historically worse air pollution because of those heavy industry comments that I was making earlier, and if those communities can't get their hands on uh, an air purifier from a store or something and they have the facilities to make something like that because the air pollution is already worse there, anything yeah. is going to help, really. And I mean, any anybody anywhere, if you can't get to an air purifier and you'd like to make one and you're following a DIY instruction, that will help more than anything in terms of just straight up breathing bad air in. Yeah, that's a good advice there. Dr. Calhan. if you can sort of piggyback off that, because we know a lot of folks, especially those who live in older apartment buildings, they don't have central AC, right? And they're relying on the window units for sure. So, I mean, is, is that filter strong enough to, to clean the air in their units? Yeah, my understanding of those window units is that the filters are typically not very strong and a high quality filter would restrict airflow. So it's it's a very difficult situation actually as the temperature goes up because it can get really hot in an apartment without AC. But Windows closed and limiting outside air is really um, an important step. If that's not possible, then considering wearing a mask indoors would be a KN95 or an N95 mask indoors would be the other Mm. strategy. Indoors. Um, Okay. Even indoors if you have to open it to outdoor air. Yeah. So, Dr. Callan, let's talk about your work a little bit. You're leading a lung healthy study in Chicago. And I hear this was something that you wanted to start before COVID-19, right? What were you tracking? So that's a nationwide study, actually, that we're fortunate to lead here uh, from Chicago at Northwestern, where we are actually recruiting young, healthy adults between the ages of 25 and 35. And we had in our minds when we designed the study that days like today are really important to understand for their long-term health consequences. Changing climate and air pollution has probably outburst health consequences on everybody, and we wanted to understand them more. Other behaviors among 25 to 35-year-olds probably have adverse health consequences too, like vaping, Um, Mm. and that was a point of emphasis. This was before COVID happened, as you mentioned, and now, of course, we also know that COVID probably has a variety of consequences. But it's really interesting because we at least in Chicago, in my experience, have talked about air quality days on a really intermittent episodic basis. We've had one or two bad quality days. And to some extent, those are manageable, right? We can stay inside. We can put on masks. We Mm -hmm. can mitigate risk. Kids in camp can modify their activities. But as we have these more frequently with climate change um, and the consistency of these exposures goes on more, it does create the impetus to really understand what they do to people even beyond those that are in these sensitive groups. So a kid who's in their teenage years, who spends a lot of time outside during the summer, if the air quality index is 200 or almost 300 as it is in Chicago, if they spent 24 hours a day outside, which I recognize no one does, but if they did, 
that's like smoking half a pack of cigarettes that day. And if that happens on repeated days with consistency, that probably has a number of adverse health consequences on that person. But we can only understand those consequences if we recruit them into an observational study and follow them essentially for the rest of their lives. So that's what we're trying to do to really understand how these 21st century exposures are associated with not only lung disease, but impairment in respiratory health. Mm. Are they more likely to have symptoms? Are they more likely to get bronchitis? Are they more likely to experience sort of uh, respiratory health impairment? Kelly, you, you agree. I see you nodding there. Yeah, it's uh, something we talk about a lot. And those of us who care a lot about air quality. Uh, you said it's like smoking half a pack yeah, of cigarettes a day. Yes, that's it. And it's additional to all the other stuff that we're constantly breathing in, right? So, and the inflammatory response of what else is happening, like long COVID and things like this. And of course, this is Dr. Calhan's wheelhouse, so I can't speak to it nearly as well as he does. But part of the work that we do at RHA has also got to do about um, teens' exposure to vaping and the lungs' response to that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and, and, and chronic illnesses like asthma and COPD and the impact of that. It's all... Just when you look at it uh, as a conglomerate, as a, a stacked set of exposures, it's a different piece than just saying, wow, the air looks super dirty outside, you know? So people who care about air quality, like Dr. Callahan and I, I don't know, I get kind of excited when people start to get aware of it. And I, I always ride the line of putting in too much information in like the mom groups and things because you're like, okay, this is my time to shine. This is my wheelhouse. <laughs> this is my I'm going to tell you. Yeah, exactly. But this stuff is happening all the time hmm. in Chicago where we have, like I told you, we haven't hit air quality standards since they were established in Chicago. Well, you know Kelly, I mean? here, here's the other thing that's happening this weekend. And we, we talked about this earlier on the program. The city's hosting the NASCAR race. Yeah. Right. Those cars are burning fuel and, and creating more admissions. Right. Yes. So <laughs> how do you anticipate an event like that is going to affect the already unhealthy air quality that we have Well, I'll see you and I'll raise you because here comes the 4th of July as well, right? And we're all going to set off a bunch of fireworks and that's going to create a ton. If you look at these air quality maps after the 4th of July, you you won't be shocked, but you'll see there are places that turn purple, red, dark red. You know, it's really, it's it's, like I said, it's like a conglomerate of all of these things. The air pollution from these, you know, un, un, you know, there's no refinement to these engines and they're just spitting out, you know, pure air pollution. It's just adding to the mix. It's adding to the bucket. It's making a bigger pot of stew that we're all breathing in and swimming in as we're trying to like live our lives. And I get it. You're allowed to enjoy what you're allowed to enjoy, <laughs> but yeah. at the expense of other people or at the expense of your health. I don't know. It feels like it gets complicated real quick. You oh know? my goodness. Um, you know, I'm th- also thinking about folks uh, in the city who've got pets. Mm hmm that uh, may need to be let out for walks, et cetera. I mean, aside from keeping those outside breaks shorter, maybe, right? Is there anything else, uh, Dr. Callahan, that you suggest folks do to protect their pets? Yeah, I think it's take your pet out as short as possible. Wear a mask yourself. Unfortunately, the pet can't really wear a mask, but it's really limiting outdoor time. You know, the other thing, Sasha, about the NASCAR race is that we've been talking a lot about... um, wood fire smoke, right? These are wildfire smoke from Canada that is coming down, and that's comprised of fine particulates. Right. PM 2.5 is the term that gets. The, as the temperature goes up, and it's going to get hotter here and on the East Coast over the next couple of days, ozone as ground-level ozone as an as a impactful piece of poor air quality becomes more predominant. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's the ozone layer in the atmosphere, and that's supposed to be there high up. But ground-level ozone is not supposed to be present in high amounts. 
but it's really created by emissions from cars and factories, which then react with ultraviolet light for, to release oxygen, which then attaches to O2, the good oxygen, to make mm -hmm. ozone. And ozone has its own negative impacts on health. It irritates lungs and the lining cells of the respiratory tract and creates a complementary set of problems to what fine particulates cause. So hot weather, lots of emissions, the factories that already exist producing emissions, oh and ground level ozone increasing in addition to the particulates is really potentially problematic. So do we know if anyone's doing studies here in Chicago on the air quality effect specifically as a result from NASCAR? That's a good question. I'm not sure if anybody's specifically looking at NASCAR, but I, I mean, know that, that would be something to look at. Right. But they're <laughs> looking at the air right now. So the data they're gathering will have the impact of those NASCAR races. True. So I think that you can't control necessarily for specific uh, events in unless you're looking to control for those specific events. And I don't know of any research that's happening that they're looking at NASCAR. But what I know about the research that is happening is that when it shows up six to 10 months down the line, you're like, oh, great. I'm glad they looked at this because yeah. they have to compare it over that longitudinal so study. How's length. it going to go away? Right. How, how can we expect the smoke <laughs> to dissipate? Like, is the wind enough to blow it away? The wind are, helps. Are we just waiting for that? The or wind helps. Is it rain um, that we want? Rain helps. Okay. Anything that takes it out of the air will help get it out of the air it also and i can put a plug in for something at this point that i want it gone i understand i can see in your face you're never leaving the indoors again never i'm <laughs> your staying face in the studio forever in front of one of those great fan kits that you're going to set up it's going to be wonderful yes. so um not only doing the things that Dr. Callahan talked about in terms of taking care of your own personal health, but thinking on a bigger scale. And this is usually where I lose the mom groups on Facebook, but I'm going to keep talking because it's really important. Okay. When we reduce emissions, right, and we don't have the heavy duty diesel truck emissions and we don't have that kind of impact at the level that we do now, it makes the impacts of this kind of pollution exposure to less, right? So Illinois has always been a leader in environmental work, right? We passed the CEGA legislation a few years ago. And now, right now, our organization is working a coalition of a large group group of people that are trying to reduce emissions from medium and heavy duty vehicles by getting Governor Pritzker to sign off on the uh, advanced clean truck rule and the heavy duty NOx omnibus rule. And if you reduce that pollution, like I said, Chicago's a freight hub. Yeah. If you reduce that pollution, then you reduce the impact on people. So these these exposures aren't amplified to the level they are now. And I mean, everyone rolls their eyes when we talk about it. Not everybody, but many people say climate change. Climate change is slowing down the air columns. It's screwing up the jet stream. It's doing all kinds of stuff. The longer this stuff gets parked over us and is not blown through, or there's a drought that kind of keeps it stuck here because there's no rain to clear it out of the air, the worse off we are. So mitigating <sighs> emissions in general is what we, so we don't have to live in a hellscape yeah. <laughs> for the rest of our lives. Well, you know? that's, that's why we have people like you, Kelly. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> no pressure. Kelly Nichols <laughs> is a senior manager of policy and advocacy at Respiratory Health Association. And Dr. Ravi Calhan is a Northwestern Medicine Deputy Division Chief of Pul Pulmonary and Critical Care Medicine. Thank you both so much. Thank you. This episode of Reset was produced by Brenda Ruiz, and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather and Stephanie Kim. Now, if the weather has you stuck inside, you can always hang out with us here on Reset by subscribing to this podcast. We share episodes Monday through Friday with a bonus episode on Saturdays. That'll do it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.